we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Belief is a projection or an invention of thought. But we are attached to it because it gives a certain feeling of security, however illusory it is. Hello and welcome to episode 203 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast features carefully selected extracts from the archives. The aim is to represent different aspects of Krishnamurti's radical approach to many of the issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is belief. Upcoming themes are work, joy and illusion. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our website at kfoundation.org where you can find a broad collection of articles and quotes an introduction and biography, along with a comprehensive index of topics for easy access to texts and recordings. Our online store stocks all available Krishnamurti books and ships worldwide. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on your podcast app. This helps our visibility. This week's episode on belief has five sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Ojai 1976, titled Religion is Not Belief. Considering what the world is like with all its brutality, violence, wars, divisions, class hatreds, and so on, which are all indicate degeneration of the human mind. It behoves us to discover for ourselves what is religion? Is it a gathering of beliefs? Is it performing rituals, repeating endless words which have really no meaning at all? Is it going to Sunday morning to a church or to a temple or to a mosque? and repeating some words and think one is terribly religious? If one asks oneself seriously, what is the necessity of any belief 
of any conclusion. Because belief, conclusions divide people. You have it in this little village, five or six divisions of Christianity. And throughout the world there is so much division brought about by so-called religions. The Hindu, the Buddhist, the Muslim, the Christian, and their innumerable sects. So what is the importance of any belief at all? Or does belief prevent the understanding of what truth is? And is religion divorced from daily life? Is religion a movement which brings order in our life? You understand my questions? We are sharing this thing together. We are not asserting anything. On the contrary, we are together sharing the investigation that we are doing now, exploring. And you cannot possibly explore scientifically into the realm of psychological demands that put together various forms of beliefs. And if religion is divorced from our daily life, it can only create further chaos, further confusion, further conflict. So we are asking, what is religion? What is the nature, the depth of that word? Each one will think he will answer that, the meaning of that word, according to his particular fancy, imagination, or his conditioning. If he is a Hindu, he will say, religion is my belief in something, or and so on. So if there is no belief, which doesn't mean one is an atheist, I'm not at all sure those who believe are not really atheists, because their belief is merely a traditional acceptance. So we are asking, what is the nature of religion? If it is none of these things, and it is none of these things, belief, rituals, authoritarian attitudes, 
division between yourself and your highest God or no God. If there are interpreters between you and and truth, all that is surely is not religion. The worship of things made by thought, put together by thought as a symbol, or made by the hand, an image, and the worshipping of that symbol or that image is surely is not religion. So what is religion? And to find that out, one must discard completely and be free to inquire. You cannot inquire if you are anchored in a belief. So if you are really earnest to go into this question, and you must go into this question. Every human being must inquire, not accept, but cons- but explore into the nature of that word, the meaning of that word, and the depth of that word, because the word is merely a sound. The sound can produce a meaning, but it's much more than that. So in order to find out what is a religious life, and not surely the monk who is dedicated to certain form of worship, certain form of acceptance of beliefs and dogmas, and dedicated, given himself over to some some idea. An idea is not a truth. Such a monk, such a sannyasi, is not really a religious man at all. So what we are asking is much more complex. To find that out, you must have order in one's life. Right? Our life is confused, contradictory, disorderly, fragmented, broken up. And how can such a life have order? You're following all this, I hope. Order is not the acceptance of a blueprint. Order comes only when one realizes, aware, fully, without any choice, one's own confusion, one's own daily disordered life, to be aware of that, 
From this order comes order, that is, from the understanding, from the awareness without any choice, the observation of our daily life which is disorderly, the observation not based on condemnation, rationalization. The second extract is from the second talk in Sanan, 1975, titled Belief is Incorrect Thinking. The incorrectness of thought is the utter denial of freedom, both politically, religiously and socially. When thought is incorrect, we are not laying down any dogma, we are just observing how thought in its activity creates obscurity, because it's not clear. And therefore, in that lack of clarity, that lack of being totally correct, there is no freedom. And this freedom, this lack of freedom is shown in the the structure of belief which thought has brought about through fear. We all believe in something, belief has no validity at all, of any kind. Belief implies a projection of incorrect incorrect thinking from a desire for future, for hope, out of despair. When you, when one believes in nationality as something totally different from the rest of humanity, that is incorrect thinking. When you state that separate countries according to nationalities, according to religious structure or economic structure, that is incorrect thinking. Therefore, in that there is no clarity and no stability. Now, if you see clearly the danger of belief, because when you see sunrise in the east and set in the west, you don't believe it is so. 
but we have fear brought about by thought and we believe in the most extraordinary things. If you examine not only the economic world and the communist bloc, they are as credulous, as brutal, as violent as the believers in something which is utopian, which is godly, which is divine, which is Jesus, which is Christ, which is all the rest of it, all in, in India. It's the same pattern. That's one who you see this clearly. That belief, which is incorrect thinking, which has no basis, but it has a basis of desire, fear, which again is the movement of thought. If you see that clearly, belief has no place whatsoever. Therefore you won't fight me because I believe in something else and you believe in something else. We have no belief. I wonder if you see this, the importance of this. Belief implies opinion, judgment, evaluation which prevent the clarity of perception. Right? Is one aware of this? Is one aware that one has beliefs and one clings to them and for those beliefs who are willing to kill, destroy other human beings? Not only the deeply rooted beliefs, but pragmatic beliefs. You <coughs> now is one aware of this? Does one see this clearly? Therefore the mind, therefore thought, denies the incorrectness, if there is such word as incorrectness, Thought sees the sees the the valuelessness of belief sees it, and therefore, in that perception there is stability. You are never wandered away into belief, which is stable. I wonder if you understand this. Therefore, freedom in the world of reality can only exist when there is correct thinking. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Amsterdam, 1981 titled, Belief is Merely a Projection. We are we, our ego, our personality, our whole structure is entirely put together 
as memory. We are memory. Right? This is subject to investigation. Don't accept it. Observe it. Listen. The speaker is saying the you, the ego, the me is altogether memory. There is no spot or space in which there is clarity. Or you can believe, hope, have faith that there is something in you which is uncontaminated, which is God, which is the a spark of that which is timeless. You can believe all that. But that belief is merely illusory. All beliefs are. But the fact is that our whole existence, we are entirely memory, remembrance. There is no spot or space or inwardly which is not memory. You can investigate this if you have time, perhaps not this morning because we have a lot to cover. But if you are inquiring seriously into yourself, you will see that the me, the ego, is all memory, remembrances. And that's our life. We function, live <coughs> from memory. And for us, death is the ending of that memory. Right? Am I speaking to myself or we're all together in me? See, uh, the speaker is used to talking in, in the open, under trees, or in a vast tent, without these glaring lights. And one can then have an intimate communication with each other. As a matter of fact, there are only you and me talking together. Not all this enormous audience in a vast hall, but you and I, sitting on the banks of a river on a bench, talking over this thing together. And one is saying to the other, we are nothing but memory. And it is to that memory that we are attached. My house, my property, my experience, 
my relationship, the office I go to, the factory, the skill I've been able to gather during a certain period of time. I'm all that. And to that, thought is attached. That's what we call living. And this attachment, with all its problems, because when you are attached, there is fear of losing. We are attached because we are lonely. Deep, abiding loneliness, which is suffocating, isolating. Depressing. And the more we are attached to another, which is again memory, the other is a memory. My wife, my husband, my children are physically different from me Psychologically, the memory of my wife, I'm attached to that, to the name, to the form. My existence is attachment to that memory which I have gathered through all my life. Where there is attachment, I recognize, observe, there is corruption. When I am attached to a belief, hoping in that attachment to that belief there will be certain security, both psychologically as well as physically, that attachment not only prevents further examination, but I am frightened to examine even when I am greatly attached to something, to a person, to an idea, to an experience. So corruption exists where there is an attachment. And my whole, one's whole life <coughs> is a movement within the field of the known. This is obvious. And death means the ending of all, ending of the known. Right? Ending of the physical organism. Ending all the memory of which I am. I am nothing but memory. Memory being the known. And I'm frightened to let all that go. 
which means death. I think that's fairly clear, at least verbally. That is, intellectually, <coughs> you can accept that. Logically, sanely, that's a fact. So the question is, why human beings throughout the world, though they believe some of them in the Asiatic world, the rebirth of themselves in next life, the next life being much more dignified, more prosperous, more uh, better house, better position. So those who believe in reincarnation, that is the soul, the ego, the me, which is a bundle of memories, being born next life, the next life is better life because if I behave rightly now, conduct myself righteously, live a life without violence, without greed and so on, next life I have a better life, better position. But that is next life, belief in reincarnation is just a belief because those who have this strong belief don't live a righteous life today. Right? You are following all this? It's just an idea, the next life will be marvelous. The, the beauty of next life must correspond to the beauty of the present life. But the present life is so tortuous, so demanding, so complex, we forget the belief and struggle, deceit, hypocrisy, every form of vulgarity and so on. That's one aspect of death, that is believing in something next life. But those who do not accept such theory, though they are trying to compile evidence of reincarnation, which is rather absurd too. You understand all this? Because what is it that is going to reincarnate? What is it that, that will, that has continuity? You understand my question? Are we talking together? What is it that has continuity in life, in our daily life. It is the remembrance of yesterday's experience, pleasures, fears, anxieties. And th there is that continuity right through life. 
unless we break it and move away from that current. Right? Now, the question is, is it possible while one is living with all the turmoil, with that energy, capacity, to end, say for example, attachment. Because that's what's going to happen when you die. You may be attached to your wife, to your husband, to your property. Not to property, a little bit, that's dangerous. We are attached to some belief, belief in God. That belief is merely a projection or invention of thought. But we are attached to it because it gives us certain, certain feeling of security, however illusory it is. We are attached to that. Death means the ending of that attachment. Now, while living, can we end voluntarily, easily, without any effort, that form of attachment? Which means dying to something we have known. You follow me? Am I? Many. Can we do this? Because that's what that is living and dying together. Not separated by hundred years or fifty years waiting for some disease to push us off. But living with all our vitality energy, intellectual capacity, with the greater feeling to end certain conclusions, certain idiosyncrasies, experiences, attachment, hurt, to end it. That is, while living, also living with death. You understand me? Am I, are we meeting each other? So that death is not something far away. Death is not something that is at the end of one's life through some accident, disease, old age. But rather, living to all the things of memory, ending that, which is death. That means death is not separate from living. Also, as we said yesterday, we should consider 
together, sitting on the banks of that river on a bench, water flowing, clear, not muddied, polluted water. Seeing all the movement of the waves pursuing each other down the river. We also, as two friends sitting there, talk together about what is religion? Why has religion played such great part in our lives from the ancient of times till today? What does a religious mind is like? What is the word religion actually mean? Because you see, historically, not that one has read a great deal about it, but one has observed how civilizations disappear to be reborn again in a with a different religion. Religions have brought about new civilizations, new culture. Not the technological world. Not the computers, the submarines, the war materials. Nor the businessman. Nor the economy. But religious people throughout the world have brought about a tremendous change. So, we must inquire together what we mean by that word religion. What is its significance? Whether it is mere superstition, illogical, meaningless, or there is something far greater, something much more infinitely beautiful. And to find that, is it not necessary? We are talking over two years, two frames. Is it not necessary to be free of all the of all the things thought has invented as religion? You understand my question? I want to find out. What is the significance of religion? What's the depth of it? What is its end? Because man has always sought something beyond the physical existence. He's always looked, searched, asked, suffered, tortured himself 
to find out if there is something which is not of time, which is not of thought, which is not belief or faith. And to find that out, one must be absolutely free. Otherwise, if you are anchored to a particular form of belief, that very belief will prevent investigation into what is eternal, if there is such thing as eternity which is beyond all time, beyond all measure. So one must be free if one is serious in the inquiry into what is religion. One must be free of all the things that thought has invented, put together, that which is considered religious. That is, all the things that Hinduism has invented with its superstition, with its beliefs, with its images, and the ancient literature, as the Upanishads and so on, one must be completely free of all that. If, you are at, if one is attached to all that, then it is impossible, naturally, to discover that which is original. You understand the problem? That is, if my mind, my brain, is conditioned by the Hindu superstition, beliefs, dogmas, idolatry with all the ancient tradition I'm my mind that is anchored to that therefore it cannot move it's not free therefore one must be freed completely from all that being a Hindu. Right? Similarly, one must be free totally from all the inventions of thought as the rituals, dogmas, beliefs, symbols, the saviors and so on of Christianity. That may be rather difficult, that's coming nearer home. Or, if you go to Ceylon or, or the Tibetan, North, Buddhism, with all their idolatry, as the idolatry of Christianity, they too have this problem, being attached as security to the things thought has invented. So, 
all religions, whether Christianity, Muslim, Islam, Hinduism, or Buddhism, they are the movement of thought continued through time, through literature, through symbols, through things made by the hand or by the mind. All that is considered religious in the modern world. To this speaker, that's not religion. To this speaker, it's a form of illusion, comforting, satisfying, romantic, sentimental, but not actual. Because religion must affect life, the way we live. That is the significance of life. Because then only when there is order, as we talked about yesterday, in our life, order is something that is totally disassociated with a disorder. We live in disorder. That is in conflict, contradiction, say one thing, do another, think one thing, and act another way. That is contradiction. Where there's contradiction, which is division, there must be disorder. And a religious mind is completely without disorder. That's it. That is the foundation of religious life. Not all the nonsense that's going on with the gurus, with their idiocies. You know, that's the most extraordinary thing. Many gurus have come to see the speaker. Many of them. Because they think I attack the gurus. They want to persuade me not to attack. They say, what you are saying and what you are living is the absolute truth, but not for us. Because we must help those people who are not fully advanced as you are. You see the game they play? Instead. <laughs> so, I'm, one wonders why the Western world or some of the Western people go to India, follow these gurus, get initiated, whatever that may mean, put on different robes, and think they are terribly religious. But strip them of their robes, stop them inquiring into their life. They are just like you and me. So, 
the idea of going somewhere to find enlightenment, changing your name to some Indi Sanskrit name, seems to strangely absurd and romantic without any reality. But thousands are doing it. I probably it's a form of amusement. <laughs> without much meaning. I'm not, the speaker is not attacking. Please, let's understand. We are not attacking anything. We're just observing. Observing the absurdity of the human mind. How easily we are doubt. How easily we are caught. We are so gullible. So, a religious mind is a very factual mind. It deals with facts. That is, what is facts being? What is actually happening with the world outside and the world inside? The world outside is the expression of what is the world of inside. There is no division between the outer and the inner. That's too long to go into. So, a religious life is a life of order, diligence. Dealing with what is actually happening within oneself without any illusion. So that one leads an orderly, righteous life. The fourth extract is from the fourth talk in New Delhi, 1982, titled Is it possible to be free of all belief? Loneliness is the result of our daily life. Each one of us is completely convinced that he is a separate soul, separate entity. And all his activity is self-centred. From the highest to the lowest is self-centred, selfish. And the daily activity of this self-centredness will inevitably bring about solitude, loneliness, separatism, division. And we are asking, is this isolation in our way of thinking, in our way of life, is that one of the causes of sorrow? And is attachment the cause of sorrow? I'm attached to my wife, to my son, to my memories, to my beliefs, to my experience. I'm attached to them. 
I believe and I am attached to that belief. And when that belief is questioned, doubt, shaken, there is uncertainty, pain. And that, is that one of the causes of sorrow? So is it possible to be free of all belief? Not one particular belief or one particular ideal, to be totally free of all ideals, all belief. Please don't say, if, I, if one is free of belief and ideals, what do you replace it by? That's a wrong question. See the truth that any belief, any ideal divides people. It's not an actuality. I don't believe sun rises and sun sets. It is so. It's a fact. But I believe that God exists or doesn't exist. I believe in certain ideology communist, socialist, conservative, whatever it is, capitalist. I believe in certain ideology for which I am willing to fight, kill people. So, to be entirely, completely free of all belief, because that's freedom. And belief, we believe because it gives us a sense of security. You may believe in God, as most of you do, because it's, it gives you a sense of protection, guidance, security. You, the mind has invented, the brain has invented various forms of security. Nationalism, religious figures, the various so-called sacred books, they all give a certain quality of security. And actually there is no security in it at all. It is an illusion. So to realize that belief, ideals and so on are very, very <coughs> destructive. They separate man from man. <coughs> and to see the truth of it is to become intelligent. And only in intelligent, in intelligence, there is complete security. Not in your beliefs, in your myths and ideals. So to discover this intelligence, and that intelligence is not yours or the speaker's, it is intelligence. 
that is to see the false as false and end the false. To see what is actually, not imaginatively run, run away from it, to see actually what we are. and explore into it. And in that exploration there is the awakening of intelligence. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Ohio, 1949, titled, Would We Be Lost Without Beliefs? One of the things that seems to me that most of us so eagerly accept and take for granted is the question of belief. I am not attacking beliefs. What we are trying to do this evening is to find out why the mind, why we accept belief. And by perhaps understanding the motives, the causation of acceptance, then we may be able to not only understand why we do it, but also be free of them. Because one can see obviously how political beliefs and religious beliefs, national and various types of beliefs, do separate people, do, do, does create conflict confusion and antagonism, which is an obvious fact, and yet we are not unwilling to give them up. There are the Hindu beliefs, the Christian beliefs, and the Buddhists, and innumerable sectarian national beliefs, various political ideologies, all contending with each other, trying to convert each other. And obviously, one can see that belief is separating people, creating intolerance, and is it possible to live without belief? One can only find that out if one can study oneself in relationship to a belief. Is it possible to live in this world without a belief? Not change beliefs, not substitute one belief for another, but to be entirely free from all belief so that you meet life anew each minute, which is after all the truth. To have the capacity of meeting everything anew without the past conditioning reaction from moment to moment, so that there is not the cumulative effect which acts as a barrier between oneself and that which 
that which is. Obviously, most of us accept or take on beliefs because first there is fear. Because we feel that without a belief we should be lost. Then there, we use belief as a means of conduct, as a pattern according to which we direct our lives. And also we think that through belief we, there can be a collective action. So in other words, for action we think belief is necessary. And is that so? Is belief necessary for action. That is, is belief being an idea, is ideation necessary for action? Which comes first, an idea or an action? Surely action, then either is it pleasurable or painful, and according to that we build up various theories, and then from that proceed to act. Therefore action comes first, surely, does it not, or invariably. And when there is fear, when there is the desire to collect many, to in order to act, then the ideation comes in. Now if one considers this, you will see that the desire to accept a belief, as I said, one of the reasons is fear. Because if we had no belief, what would happen to us? Wouldn't we be very frightened of what is going to happen? If we had no pattern of action based on a belief, either in God or in communism or in socialism or in imperialism or in some kind of religious formula or dogma, which, in which we are conditioned. We would feel utterly lost, wouldn't we? And is not this acceptance of a belief, the covering up of that fear, the fear to be really nothing, to be empty,
After all, a cup is only useful when it's empty. And a mind that is filled with beliefs, with the dogmas, with assertions, with quotations, is really uncreative mind, it's merely a repetitive mind. And to escape from that fear, that fear of emptiness, that fear of loneliness, that fear of stagnation, not arriving, not succeeding, not achieving, not being something, not becoming something. Yes, surely, one of the reasons, is it not, why we accept so eagerly and greedily beliefs. And by a true acceptance of beliefs, do we understand ourselves? On the contrary, A belief, religious or political, obviously hinders the understanding of ourselves. Then it acts as a screen through which you are looking at yourself. And can we look out at ourselves without beliefs? If you remove those beliefs, the many beliefs that one has, one has, is there anything to look at? And if you have no beliefs with which the mind has not identified itself and therefore the mind without identification is capable of looking at itself as it is, then there surely is the beginning of understanding of oneself. And if one is afraid, if there is fear, which is covered over by belief, and in understanding belief, one comes to face to face with fear, without the screen of belief, is it not possible to be free from that reaction of fear? That is to know one is afraid and staying there without any escape. To be with what is It surely is much more significant, much more worthwhile than to escape from what is through a belief. So, one begins to see that there are various forms of escape from oneself, from one's own emptiness, from one's own poverty of being. such as knowledge, such as amusement, various forms of addictions and distractions, learned and stupid, clever and not worthwhile. And we are surrounded by these, we are them. 
And if the mind can see the significance of the thing to which it has held, then perhaps we shall be face to face with what we are. As we are, whatever it is. And I think moment we are capable of doing that, then there is a real transformation. Because then there is no question of fear. Because fear only exists in relationship to something. Then there is you and something else to which you are related. And when you dislike that thing with, to which you are related and try to avoid it, then there is fear. But when you are that very thing, then there is no question of avoidance. A fact gives only fear when you bring an emotional reaction to it. But a fact when faced as it is, there is no fear. And when what we call fear is no longer named but only looked at without giving it a term, then again surely there takes place a revolution. There is no longer that sense of avoidance or acceptance. So, in understanding belief, not superficially, But why the mind attaches itself to various forms of beliefs? Why beliefs have become so significant in our lives? Belief about death, about life, what happens after? If there is God, if there is no God, if there is reality, if there is no reality. Various political beliefs. Are they not all indicative of our own sense of inward poverty? And are, do they not reveal a process of escaping or act as a defense? And in studying our beliefs, do we not begin to know ourselves as we are? Not only at the upper levels of our minds, of our consciousness, but deeper down. And so, the more one studies oneself in relationship to something else as believe, the more the mind becomes quiet. 
without this false regimentation, without false, without compulsion. The more it knows itself, the more quiet it is, obviously. The more you know something, the more you are familiar with it. And the more the mind becomes quiet. And it is only when the mind is really quiet, not made quiet. There's surely there's a vast difference between a mind that is made quiet and a mind that is quiet. You can compel a mind by circumstances, by various disciplines, tricks and so on, to make it quiet. But that's not quiet, that's not peaceful. That is death. But a mind that is, that is quiet because it understands the various forms of fears and because it understands itself. Such a mind is creative. Such a mind is, is renewing itself constantly. It's only the mind that's self-enclosed by its own fears and beliefs. That is, that stagnates. But a mind that understands its relationship to the values about it, not imposing a standard of value, but understanding, surely such a mind becomes quiet, is quiet. It's not a question of becoming. It's only then Surely, that is capable of perceiving what is real from moment to moment. Reality is surely not something at the end. An end result of a cumulative action. Reality is to be perceived only from moment to moment. And it can be perceived only when there is not the accumulative effect of the past on the moment. 